I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Oh, well, I hope you're having a good day today. Uh, we've, uh, we've added a new station in Oklahoma. we got nine stations in Oklahoma, but we lost a station in Kentucky. We were heard on Real Life Radio. Uh, that has been subsumed into the relevant radio network, but you can still catch all of our shows by going to breadboxmedia.com. Uh, if you don't live in the Oklahoma area where you can get it easily, well, don't worry. You can listen to me on the app. Uh, it's a radio station in your pocket, and it's a very interesting one because uh, it's a for-profit station. Most uh, most Catholic radio is non-profit, uh, but what for-profit does is it lets them sell advertising, and what we're doing with the advertising is something that no one else is doing. Uh, basically, right now, at the very beginning, we're letting businesses name their price to advertise with us. That's a first thing. And then the second thing is half of whatever price it is that they name for their advertisement, half of that's going to go to a nonprofit of their choice in the local community. And so uh, we're hoping that this is going to take off. We've got the, uh, the the backing of the president of the USCCB. He is uh, Archbishop Kurtz has given us a wonderful, glowing uh, recommendation. Uh, so for those of you who are listening in the Oklahoma area, we even have some of our own fellas podcast on the Breadbox Media Network, that that uh, Catholic man show with Adam Minahan and David Niles. If you haven't caught that, you want to do that. Uh, all the archives are available. That's right, over at breadboxmedia.com. You can find the Catholic man show there, uh, as well as on St. Michael Radio. Uh, I hope you go and take a look at their stuff. It's great. Uh, but as we're adding stations and losing stations and changing the way that radio is done, uh, it's, a, it's a season of transition. And so today's show is all about transition. Have you ever had that? You had a time in your life where all of a sudden the rug got pulled out from under you and you had to find a new place to stand. Uh, that's kind of uh, part of the human condition, right? There's uh, no safety anywhere uh, except in the will of God. And that can seem kind of scary. I mean, think about the uh, the apostles who were riding in the boat with Jesus, right? And the storm came up and the waves were tossing him here and there. And it was kind of frightening. Uh, and God doesn't necessarily take away those things that are frightening to us, but he does keep us safe. And he stood up right there in the middle of the boat and he uh, rebuked the winds and the waves and they calmed down and everyone kind of with their mouth agape just kind of stared at him because he was sleeping through the storm. It wasn't a big deal to him. Uh, and sometimes maybe you feel like Jesus is sleeping through your storm, right? Maybe you, you feel and see the wind and the waves and you are just overwhelmed by everything you see and you turn and Jesus is silent and he's silent because he's taken a nap. You're like, you know, Jesus, this is not what I thought I signed up for. Uh, and so Jesus woke up and if you can imagine being woken up from a nap, he might not have been the most pleasant to look at at the moment. Uh, we can tell because he rebuked the winds and the waves like, yeah, you woke me up. Right. So here he is and he comes and he calms the storm and he provides safety. Uh, and that's something that I have witnessed all through all of my transitions in life. Uh, we've been, my wife and I, we've been unemployed or, or in between gainful employment, right? Because I've always done something here or there. But we've been without a steady job, uh, let's see, four or five times since we've been married. Uh, part of that was working in a, in a Protestant church as a worship pastor. New pastor comes in and sayonara to the whole staff. 
Uh, and so we had to find another place. It's taken anywhere between three months to, to eight months each time that that's happened to find a new stable place to be. And so transition is something I've lived with, right? Transition just is the only constant is change. Uh, and then the last, one of the last transitions we had, we were, uh, we were in the Protestant church and we had become convinced that the Catholic church was the church that Jesus Christ founded. And we had a decision to make. And so we, instead of waiting for that job to come through, and I, I think I've told this story before, uh, instead of waiting for a new job, we just said, you know, it's time. And we left my job in the Methodist church doing uh, music and became Catholic and for eight months, for eight months after we became Catholic, uh, we relied on the provision of God, right? Uh, we, were, we were right in the middle of that storm because we were hoping it would happen quickly, and it didn't. We've had that recently. We, uh, after four years being in the Diocese of Tulsa, we moved down uh, to Texas to be near family and to be near a job. And uh, got a new job. Great big church right at the entrance to uh, the neighborhood that my parents lived in. They're not Catholic, but uh, it was near them. And uh, five months later, we were trying to figure out how, how are we going to ever buy a house with these prices and with the salary? Because, you know, uh, the church is very generous, <laughs> uh, except necessarily when it's <laughs> her own employees. Uh, you know, you, you, you make sacrifices to work for the church, and I've never begrudged that. But we're looking at this saying, how can we afford a house for our, you know, six children that we have at home um, on the salary that we're making? And we looked at it and didn't see a way. And God provided a way. Uh, he dropped something in our lap that uh, was going to provide for our needs, but it was going to be down the road a little bit. It was going to be a couple months away. And we're like, okay, well, do we do this? Yeah, we can do this. All right. Well, when that time comes that the job is officially offered, then we'll, then we'll take it, right? Uh, because that's the sensible thing to do. <laughs> and the next day I went in and I got fired from my other job. So I was like, well, okay, I guess this is the direction we're headed now. So now it looks like we are probably going to be packing up again and moving away from Texas. Uh, Texas, the land uh, of my raising, and I've always considered myself a native Texan. I have, uh, because I've said things like this. Yes, yes, yes. I was born in Kentucky. I was. I was born in Kentucky at Good Samaritan Hospital there in Lexington. But but my father was a Texan. And so since he was a native Texan, I'm a native Texan. I was just born expatriate, right? Uh, people just kind of roll their eyes when I say that. But it looks like there's a potential. There's a strong potential uh, that we're headed back to the land of my birth. So uh, we may be heading our way towards uh, the, the rolling hills of uh, Kentucky. So we'll see. We're in the middle of transition and everything's up in the air and it's uh, kind of frightening. I'm sure that you've seen something, experienced something like that before. And it feels maybe like you're in the boat and the storm's up. But I tell you from experience, I can tell you this. I'm not worried about the boat. I'm not worried about being overwhelmed by the waves because I know that Christ is in the boat. And I know that he will let me experience the turmoil of the storm, uh, but he is not going to let me come to harm. It may even seem externally like harm is being done, right? But everything that, uh, that is happening, he is able to redeem, to restore, and to use to bring about my own good, right? This is what we call in the Catholic Church redemptive suffering, that God doesn't desire the suffering, he doesn't cause the suffering, and yet he makes use of the suffering to make us more into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. 
So if you're in the middle of a storm, I'm going to give you something that has carried me. It's given me great uh, peace every time we've been in this transition. And it's, it's a piece of a prayer from, uh, from Thomas Merton. And uh, this is from his book, Thoughts in Solitude, which I have, but I have not read. Uh, I have it because of this little quote, this little prayer. Uh, and speaking of Kentucky, you know, you've got Thomas Merton. He, he was a, a Trappist monk there in, in Kentucky. Um, and so this is what he had to say. He said, my Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. Can't you relate to that? I mean, that, that's the kind of honest prayer that I really like to see. I mean, first thing out of the gate, instead of, oh, dear, most merciful Lord, thou hast given us. No, no, he just starts out and says, my Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. And that's a prayer from the book Thoughts in Solitude. Uh, and it's from Thomas Merton, Trappist monk out of uh, the Kentucky area. So I know that God is going to lead me by the right road, though, though I may not really understand it. There's this, uh, this picture in the Chronicles of Narnia. The book is called uh, The Horse and His Boy. And there's this scene where uh, a young lady is escaping uh, oppression, She's escaping into the night on a horse, and all of a sudden, uh, a lion appears and starts chasing her and this horse through the forest, and she's terrified. Uh, But the result of that was that she ended up in the same place as someone else. And so that lion was actually the character of God, the Aslan character, driving her, even though she didn't understand it, towards her best end. Uh, And so sometimes maybe we feel that way. Maybe we feel like we're being pursued when what we're really being doing, what's really happening is God is guiding us. And so I want to encourage you to rely on the faithfulness of God who's going to guide you whether you see it or not. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about a different kind of transition. We're going to be talking with Bishop-elect David Condorla, who is transitioning from being a priest to a bishop. And then we're going to talk with Deacon Sean O'Brien, who's transitioning from a deacon to a priest. It's going to be a great show. Uh, I hope that you stick around. Uh, In the meantime, as we wait through this break, why don't you run over to social media, facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. On Twitter, the handle's at outsidethewalls. I want you to tell me about a transition in your life that at the time was very frightening, but you found at the end of it that God was behind it all. Why don't you go over there and tell me that? And when we come back, we're going to have a great conversation about what it means for someone else to transition in a way that's for our benefit. You're listening to Outside the Walls. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks 
Thanks for sticking around. Oh, well, we got a great show today. We're heading back to our roots. We're going back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, where we started this show. And we're going to be talking first with Bishop-elect David Conderla about his upcoming ordination. He's going to be the new Bishop of Tulsa. And then we're going to go and talk with Deacon Sean O'Brien. He just got back from seminary in Rome, and he will be the first priest that the new Bishop ordains. So, Bishop-elect Conderla, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. It's good to be with you. So I cut my teeth on radio there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was the uh, director of marriage and family life for the diocese for four years uh, and started this show there. And uh, we've seen a number of interviews with you, with our Sunday visitor, with any number of other Catholic news sources, major news sources. Uh, But this show is currently aired all across the state of Oklahoma. And I wanted to maybe have the down-home approach and introduce you to the listeners on Catholic radio across Oklahoma. And I wanted to talk about that transition that you're experiencing from the priesthood uh, to becoming a bishop. Now, we've seen a number of articles uh, all across talking about you're making your own crozier and your your correlation of that to every Jedi has to make their lightsaber before they're finished with their training. <laughs> but that angle's been really well covered. And, and so I want to look at something a little different. I want to look at what the crozier represents uh, as you're moving from priesthood into a much larger role as a bishop, as you've spent time praying over what that means for you and praying over uh, the, the Diocese of Tulsa and the people that you're coming to, uh, what kinds of things have you have you gotten out of that? Well, uh, the, the transition entails on this end simply a lot of busyness in trying to close down my work here. Uh, we're in the midst of a very big campaign, and the work here entails... Uh, people all across the state, different kinds of groups, student groups, alumni groups, benefactor groups. And then just, you know, as you say, the busyness of uh, getting the crozier made, getting all the vestments ordered, all the preparations done. So uh, apart from my head feeling like it's spinning at times, (laughs) I have not yet had a chance to really sit and reflect on what's coming, I'm going to be uh, making a five-day retreat starting on the 19th. Okay. And uh, at that retreat, and starting towards the middle of next week, really, once I've got everything packed and have slowed down a little bit, I'll have the opportunity to begin that process of trying to spiritually and prayerfully understand what does it mean to be a bishop. Yeah. Now, as luck would have it, uh, I was in St. Mary's. I attended St. Mary's uh, the Sunday before the announcement was made that you were coming to Tulsa. Uh, my my oldest daughter is uh, going to be graduating in December from Texas A and M, uh, and so I've you know right now I'm wearing all my Aggie gear, so gig and Aggies. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I saw the renderings of the building that you're putting up there, and and I'm just phenomenally impressed. Not only in that, but in the fact that you need that kind of a building and the fact that uh, the fruit that's been born out of your ministry there uh, at Texas A&M, you've had practically 10 seminarians that have come out of, uh, out of that ministry at St. Mary's every year. Uh, and so I just can't wait to see the things and the strengths that you bring to Tulsa. Well, the issue regarding vocations is all about who is the Lord calling. It's not about how many do we think we need. The answer to the question 
how many do we need is every single one that's called. Right. And the reason is because of what God wants to do in their life, not what we think we need in our parishes and dioceses. But like with any good radio, if you remember way back in the day when you had a knob on your radio uh, in the car or not in the car, uh, you have to sometimes dial in to get the best frequency possible uh, out of that radio. And something you've been doing there has helped attune people to the voice of the Holy Spirit so that they can hear clearly uh, the call on their lives. Well, I would say two things are primary. The first is the faith itself having a vibrant presentation of the faith, letting people experience the Catholic faith as it really is. And then secondly, talking about it and surrounding them with examples of vocations to priesthood and religious life through all the different priests and religious who come through the student center. We invite lots of people to come and work with the students here and visit Mm -hmm. And uh, that gives them the opportunity to experience many different kinds of charism. We're talking today with Bishop-elect David Condorla, the soon-to-be new bishop of the Diocese of Tulsa. Currently, he's closing up shop in College Station, Texas, where he's been serving as the pastor of St. Mary's just across the street from Texas A&M. Now, uh, Bishop-elect, every bishop I know... Uh, has that issue that just really fires them up that they that that gives them uh, great joy whether that be uh, whether that be moral theology or liturgy or vocations or some other thing that when they talk about it their whole demeanor changes their face lights up uh, and just really lights their fire what is that for you what's that topic that that just gives you joy I really enjoy preaching and teaching, and so that's very fortunate because uh, that's the primary duty of the bishop, and so I look forward to being able to drive all over the diocese and get out and see the parishes and the parishioners and uh, visit people all around. So those are things that I've done before, both in my work as vocation director for four and a half years for the Diocese of Austin Mm -hmm. and in my work and my role as a director of a large campus ministry. I spend one to two days a week on the road for these last number of years visiting our our Aggie families and our benefactor base all over the state as we've engaged them in this great campaign that we're working. Now, of course, the most important question we can ask today, uh, you're a native Texan. You were raised there for a good portion of your life at St. Mary's uh, and then have been back there as as a priest. So uh, how do you feel crossing the Red River coming up north to uh, to Oklahoma? Well, it is. Uh, it certainly is a large emotional uh, part of this whole process. Mm-hmm. I never thought that I would leave Texas. I am a diocesan priest by choice and imagined that I would live and serve in my diocese all my days. And so in as much as God had other plans, I'm very happy to move further up north and uh, experience the beautiful area of the Tulsa Diocese mm-hmm. and uh, live uh, on the north side of the Red River. Yeah, that's true. 
Well, you're certainly in our prayers. You've got a lot going on as you continue this transition, closing up shop where you are and preparing not only to move states, but to move state of beings from a priest to a bishop. Now, if someone, whether they be an Aggie or someone from your diocese or someone who's just connected to you and they want to be a part of your ordination, how would they find out more information about that event? There's a website set up at bishopchondralaordination.com, and that website has all the detailed information, all the blocked hotel rooms, all the times of the events and the addresses and everything. Well, I'll post that website over on our social media. You can get to that at facebook.com slash step outside the walls or on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. Click that link, find out everything you need to do. And I'll see you at the ordination. Uh, My family and I will be there. We're uh, making, cutting our Colorado trip short just a little bit so that we can make that wonderful event. Uh, We, of course, I served as the director of marriage and family life there in the diocese of Tulsa for four years. And my wife and I actually both came into the church in the Diocese of Tulsa. Uh, and so we just have a, a fond affection for that community still today. Now, you've given us so much time and information, and I wanted to share something with you before you go. Uh, the finest priests that I have ever met, uh, the finest that I've ever known, are currently serving in the Diocese of Tulsa. In fact, it was a bit of shock to us when we moved away because uh, we've, we heard about the vocations crisis, but our only experience as Catholics was there in Tulsa where you had uh, priests of uh, amazing caliber able uh, to articulate the faith with zeal and compassion at every age. Uh, it, there, there was no extra weight on one side of the scale or the other, all the way from those who are brand new ordained all the way to those who are just about to retire. Uh, and we have just fond affection for all of them. And I can't name them all, but uh, the ones that jump to mind, Father John Grant, Father Jack Gleason, Father Gary Castle, Father Brian Brooks, uh, Father Brian O'Brien, Kerry uh, Wakulich, Father, uh, j- just all of them. Uh, you are going to come to know and love them, and I know that they're going to serve you well. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. You're welcome. I'm excited to get up there and get things going. Well, we'll see you on the 29th at your ordination, and I hope to see you at the ordination. Uh, Go to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Take a look at that link and see what it's going to take for you to be present at that ordination. It's not every day you get the opportunity to see a bishop ordained. So if if you have it at all in your uh, ability to be there, I, I encourage you to be there. Um, Of course, everything I know about bishops, I learned from Bishop Edward Slattery, uh, who's been at the the Diocese of Tulsa for 20 years, Uh, and just a a fabulous, wonderful man who I pray for every day. Pray for your bishops. Uh, They're not just the head of the Catholic Church, the head of the diocese in their area, but they feel the weight of leading the Christian Church and leading the spiritual well-being of everyone who lives within the bounds of their diocese, Christian or not. So pray for your bishop daily uh, as they seek to lead us in that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as they seek to lead us to bringing God's kingdom to earth. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Deacon Sean O'Brien, who will be the first priest to be ordained by Bishop Condorla. Uh, It's going to be a great conversation as we talk about his transition to a new stage of life. Well, join our conversation on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. There's lots to talk about. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. Glad that you're here today. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And we have an interesting show today. In the last segment, we talked with Bishop-elect David Kundler. Uh, I'll say that correctly. David Kundler. There you go. Uh, and he's going to be ordained on June 29th, just right around the corner in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, you can find out more information about that on our Facebook page. We've linked to his ordination page that gives you all the details about how to show up if you wanted to be a part of that. Uh, in this segment, we're going to be talking with Deacon Sean O'Brien. Uh, he's going to be, if not the first, one of the first priests that is ordained by the new bishop, because uh, you're getting ordained uh, in uh, July, is that correct? That's right, July 16th, one month and one day from today that we're recording it. All right. It's pretty exciting. Holy smokes. So you've been in Rome. This We're talking, of course, with uh, Deacon Sean O'Brien. You've been in Rome for the last uh, little bit, a uh, couple of years, uh, studying yeah, for years, this. Yeah. Last four years studying for the priesthood uh, at the North American College there. Uh, and actually, you've been on the same uh, path, interacted with one of our other frequent guests, uh, Joe Heschmeyer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so now... Here you are. You're coming. You've already been ordained a, a deacon. You've gone through that that ordination, the laying on of hands, the, the 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 ontological change that takes place as you are being conformed into uh, Christ uh, as Christ the servant. Now you're coming up to the ordination of the priesthood. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how life was different from just being a seminarian to being a deacon and what you expect life to be like as you come in and approach the priesthood. Sure. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends asked me this question too, like, Sean, now that you're a national deacon, you feel any different? And I just kind of had to look at him and I'm like, you know what? I don't feel a lot deacon different. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's like, holy smokes. I certainly went through the, you know, became a deacon and did the ordination but uh, it's kind of funny being in the seminary setting because, like, one year you're doing kind of seminary things, and the next year as a deacon, you're kind of still preparing for the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Now, I also had the great opportunity to to be at a, the parish in Rome and, and be able to preach for them and serve as a deacon, and, and that really kind of brought me into being able to kind of live this identity as a as a deacon, which was certainly excellent. And, uh, I've loved it. But, uh, yeah. And certainly excited about being a priest, too. I mean, this is what my past seven years of really beyond that, but when I was still discerning, I've been focused towards. So very excited. You know, and the whole seminary process, for those who who may think, oh, gosh, seminary is not for me. The whole seminary process is a discernment process. And so that that change isn't necessarily seen instantly. But as you look back at your time before seminary, before you were going through that formation— uh, do you see the difference that that this process has made in you? Oh, I do. I do very much. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating because you know each year it was just a whole different year, and God had something planned uh, at each stage of the game. So my first first three years in seminary, I was in Denver there, mm-hmm. and it was it was such a privileged period of time. I I, I just love the Denver area so much because. There are just so many things that the Spirit is, is is drawing up and pulling up and creating and establishing that's so focused on just bringing people to Christ. And I was just able to soak that in and really kind of have a, a great love of just that missionary life, that missionary spirit. Uh, so that was certainly a big kind of thing my first three years. 
just just getting some zeal. Just mm-hmm. really spirit filling my life with zeal. And then going to Rome too. It was a whole different deal each year. My first year, holy smokes, learning a different language is very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but I made it through. Um and really am, am thankful for the for that opportunity to be there and, and kind of go through the struggle and be far away from home, uh, which as I said was difficult, but but it made me it kinda of sounds kinda of silly, but it kinda of made me stronger in different ways. Um and then even this last year, last year really it just felt like all the things were kind of coming together and uh, just had such a good year. Uh, felt that the Lord would really kind of giving me a lot of consolation and confirming that, yes, you know, I felt beforehand that God certainly was calling me to the priesthood. The uh, Lord was really clear in telling me that, thankfully. Um, but really just, just a lot of consolation. Uh, just my heart was filled with so much thanksgiving. And, yeah, just really a whole new year for me. A really different kind of, well, I get you know, I was a deacon. So yeah. the Lord was able to allow me to live that kind of life of service in a unique way. Especially among my, my brother or Samarians there. It really felt so encouraging for them. And yeah, it was just a really great gift. Uh, I was able to live. Well, we're, talk- we're talking with seminary, uh, well, not seminarian anymore, deacon. We're talking with Deacon Sean O'Brien, just a month and a day away from his ordination uh, to the priesthood. Uh, now, when you first came into this process, were you expecting uh-huh. to be ordained by Bishop Slattery, who's the current bishop, or or were you kind of aware that this was going to be that first uh, track in with a new bishop? Well, you know, my first couple of years, I wasn't thinking too far out into the future. But at some point, I was doing the math. I was like, all right, so Bishop Slattery, his birthday is then. Oh, he's going to turn 75. Oh, that's like... I'm going to be ordained like nine months after him, his, his, his birthday of 75, mm-hmm. which means I don't know if he'll be around or not. So I just had no idea. I had no idea. I realized it could be, and I realized it could be someone else too. Yeah. So uh, now I'm thankful for, you know, Bishop Slattery, I'm sure will be there and that the new Bishop will be there. So I'm just kind of excited that both can, can be a part of it. So I get the best of both worlds. You know, when we were talking with, uh, with Bishop elect Condorla, he was, he was talking about, his desire and his passion for preaching. Uh, and he's been in a, in a ministry that's been primarily evangelistic, which is great because Tulsa is a missionary diocese. That's a very small percentage of Catholics. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You mentioned that just even in your ordination to deacon, that that was something that you appreciated. But you're also going back to school uh, to specialize in, in something that this world very desperately needs to be educated on. Why don't you talk a little bit about what your next year holds in store for you? Yeah, so in fact, even I've started uh, this program last year, and I'll continue it next year. Uh, I'll be studying moral theology with a kind of focus in bioethics. So it, it just kind of got, I I say a focus on bioethics just because kind of understanding moral theology in itself is kind of the fundamental of how we live as disciples of Christ and how we love as, as human beings who are participating in the, in the love of God and what that means for us. Uh, and that's kind of the foundation of that. And then there's the this concentration on bioethics within that. Um, and that's just kind of, here we are, we're human beings. Uh, what does that mean for us disciples? How does it mean that, what does it mean for us that we have this body? How do we, how do we live with that? How do we make ethical decisions within that? How are we faithful to Christ within that? And Christ, I mean, he's kind of the center of all this because it was him 
who became a human being. I mean, God uh, entered into the the world as a man. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, became a human being. And then not only did that, but he loved humanity so much that he died for us. Uh, and then he's he himself has led the way in his resurrection, uh, which included his body, which included his human body. And that's a promise for us, too. So, I mean, the ramifications for us uh, in living this, uh, this life as a disciple with this promise of the resurrection of the body changes how we live as, as, as human beings. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been really loved studying it. Really thankful for it. We'll look forward to diving into it more. So now, in your time in seminary, you've been exposed and and really immersed in spiritual and academic uh, rigor the whole time. Uh, every seminarian I've ever talked to, every priest I've ever talked to, came out of seminary with a uh, a favorite work or a favorite father or doctor or theologian. Uh, who do you really gravitate towards? Uh, just let's say that you're, you're bored one day and you want to, because you know, you've got plenty of time to be bored uh, and you want to pick up reading for just sheer enjoyment and, and intellectual exercise. Who do you go to? Sure. Let's see. I must admit, I love the writings of Pope Benedict. He, his writings are filled with so much light and so much beauty. And, and it was really Pope Benedict and his writings that, uh, kind of encouraged me to like really dive into this theology. Once I saw that, God has revealed his beauty to us, and uh, this this man with this gift of writing has been able to reveal that uh, through his, his books that he's put out, his preaching. I just, everything I read from him, I just love, and I love, and I love. Uh, so, when, in fact, when I first came to Rome, he was he was the Pope. Uh, he hadn't retired yet. So it was just such a, a splendid opportunity to be there. And I really hadn't read anything of him at the moment, uh, but I was like, oh, yo, here I am in Rome, and you know, the Pope's there, I hear a great theologian, well, I guess I'll read something. And my gosh, I just fell in love immediately, immediately, immediately. So there's a certain book that I just I just got to recommend, and it's a theology book. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, Introduction to Christianity, okay. and it is just so good. I mean, anything, anything of his, if you just pick up a, uh, an article that you can find online, I mean, it's bound to be so good. Well, and even as, as academic as he was, his writing style is so clear uh, that it's, oh, yeah. it's accessible. Uh, maybe, maybe you need a dictionary around, but most likely not. Most likely yeah. you're going to be able to read what he's got to say and track right along with it. Uh, well, we've been talking with Deacon Sean O'Brien. He's going to be ordained in July, uh, just coming right up. If you want to know more information about that, go to the Diocese of Tulsa website, dioceseoftulsa.org. I'm sure he would love to have you there at the ordination. Of course, you've also got Bishop Condrela's ordination just in uh, a couple of weeks, June 29th. Uh, we'll have that link up on our social media so you can find out how to be involved with that. Deacon Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. No, thanks, Timothy. It was a delight. Thank you so much. We'll be right back after this. Join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And talk to me about a time that God led you in a direction you didn't expect to go. We've got much more right after this break, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam.
Hey, welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Glad you're here. We're talking today about transition. Oh, fun. Yay. I told you a little bit about my transition in the first segment. We talked uh, with Bishop-elect David Condorla about his upcoming transition and his ordination, which is going to take place on the feast of Saints Peter and Paul uh, on June 29th. Uh, then we talked with uh, Sean O'Brien, Deacon Sean O'Brien, who's in the middle of his transition to becoming a priest uh, very shortly after that ordination. He'll have his ordination. He'll be the first priest ordained by uh, the new bishop. So uh, if you missed any part of the show, and that sounds intriguing to you, and it should because it's awesome, uh, you need to go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. That's right, OutsideTheWalls.com. You'll find access to all of our archives. You'll also find access to my blog, which every once in a while I put up something pretty interesting. So uh, I, I encourage you to go take a look at that and uh, let me know what you think. Either comment there on the blog or join us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. And on Twitter, the handle is, you got it, at Outside the Walls. Now, if you love the show, I mean, you just absolutely love the show, then there's something else you can do. You can become a friend of the show. And I told you a little bit in the first break about my transition. Honestly, this is something that would be very helpful to, to me and my family right now as we are processing our transition. Become a friend of the show. Now, what does that mean and what does that get you? Uh, a friend of the show is someone who contributes uh, $10 a month to help the show continue, to help me do what I do here on the radio, uh, and to help us expand. Uh, now, what does that get you? you know, okay, you're giving me $10 a month. I mean, you know, come on, that's a, that's a couple of Starbucks. Am I as entertaining and fulfilling and warm and fuzzy? Well, hopefully not fuzzy, uh, as I am fuzzy, but hopefully a Starbucks cup of coffee is not fuzzy. Uh, you know, hopefully, if you spend a couple of, a couple of uh, Starbucks a month, maybe just cut those back and contribute to the show. Now, what does that do for you? I mean, you're already getting this show for free. You're listening on Breadbox Media, which I appreciate. You're listening on the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network or in St. Michael's Catholic Radio. Awesome. Well, it's free. What, what, what does that do? Well, one, you get the satisfaction of knowing that my six children have food on the table. Thank you very much. Uh, but there's more than that, more, more than just satisfaction. Uh, I've got some special things for you. One, I get books from Catholic publishers all over, all the time, from uh, from Emmaus Road and Ave Maria Press and uh, oh, Ignatius Press and many, many, many more. And they send me these, these review copies of their books. And oftentimes that's going to lead to an interview on the show, right? We talk with someone about their new book and you get to enjoy it and there's a chance for a giveaway at that point. But all the other books that don't make it onto the show, I've got on my shelf. And I've for a long time, I've had the, the delusion that yeah, I'm going to read that. Uh, but you know what? My shelves are getting full. And so what I'm going to do instead is for anyone who becomes a friend of the show, I am going to enter you monthly into one of those book giveaways, right? We're going to put those books and we're going to start sending them out to people uh, left and right to everyone who becomes a friend of the show. Uh, I'm also going to do some periodic uh, five-minute podcasts, either a fun conversation with someone, a funny conversation with someone, or a story that I just happen to like and I want to tell you. Uh, so those are the things that you get from being a friend of the show. And it's very easy to do. All you have to do, all you have to do, one, you can go over to Facebook because every once in a while I'll put up an offer that says, hey, become a friend of the show. And you just click on it and it takes you right there. Otherwise, you're going to go over to breadboxmedia.com. There at the bottom of the page, you'll see the friend of the show icon. Click it and fill out the information. 
Now, once you put your information in, it's going to ask you which show you want to be a friend of. And it's done by the host show, the host's name, the show host name, not by the show name. So you're going to scroll down to Timothy Putnam and say, that guy is awesome. Click that and uh, put in your amount. $10 a month makes you eligible for all of those things. If you want to give more, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, because you know, that's just the kind of guy I am. I just, I want to, I want to give you that fulfillment. Uh, so that's what you do. Come and become a friend of the show. Like us on Facebook and Twitter, follow the blog. And, uh, yeah, that'll help us through this transition. And I hope that it will give you great joy in the process. So we don't have a little, a lot of time left and I do have something else I want to get to. Uh, and that is, uh, one, we're talking about transition. Here's what Jesus says. He says in the gospel, today's gospel, Matthew 6, he says, Jesus said to his disciples, no one can serve two masters. He'll either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or your body or what you will wear Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown in the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O you of little faith? So do not worry and say, what are we to eat or what are we to drink or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for the day is its own evil. So there at the end of the uh, chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is telling us basically, transition is inevitable. Just chill out, right? Don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry yourself over things that may or may not happen. Just trust in the hand of God. Well, since we talked with the bishop-elect today, and and there at the end we talked about how bishops help us to live out the the prayer of Jesus Christ, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, There's this reading, there's this homily from St. Cyprian that I I wanted to read to you today. It's on that very portion of the Lord's Prayer, and I think that it's, uh, it's insightful for the things that we're talking about today. The prayer continues, he says, your kingdom come. We pray that God's kingdom will become present for us in the same way that we ask for his name to be hallowed among us. For when does God not reign? When could there be in him a beginning of what always was and will never cease to be? What we pray for is that the kingdom promised to us by God will come, the kingdom won by Christ's blood and passion. Then we who were formerly slaves in this world will reign from now on under the dominion of Christ in accordance with his promise. Come, O blessed of my father, receive the kingdom which was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. However, my dear friends, it could also be that the kingdom of God whose coming we daily wish for is Christ himself, since it is his coming that we long for. He is our resurrection since we rise again in him, 
so too he can be thought of as the kingdom of God because we are to reign in him. And it is good that we pray for God's kingdom. For though it is a heavenly kingdom, it is also an earthly one. But those who have already renounced the world are made greater by holding positions of authority in that kingdom. After this, we add, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray not that God should do his will, but that we may carry out his will. How could anyone prevent the Lord from doing what he wills? But in our prayer, we ask God's will to be done in us because the devil throws up obstacles to prevent our mind and our conduct from obeying God in all things. So if his will is to be done in us, we have need of his will, that is, his help and protection. No one can be strong by his own strength or secure, save by God's mercy and forgiveness. Even the Lord, to show the weakness of the human nature, which he bore, said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And then by way of giving example to his disciples that they should do God's will and not their own, he added, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. All Christ did, all he taught, was the will of God. Humility in our daily lives, an unwavering faith, a moral sense of modesty and conversion, justice in acts, mercy in deed, discipline, refusal to harm others, a readiness to suffer harm, peaceableness with our brothers, a wholehearted love of the Lord, living in him what is of the Father, fearing him because he is God, preferring nothing to him who preferred nothing to us, clinging tenaciously to his love, standing by his cross with loyalty and courage whenever there is any conflict involving his honor and his name, manifesting in our speech the constancy of our profession, and under torture confidence for the fight, and in dying the endurance for which we will be crowned. This is what it means to wish to be a co-heir with Christ, to keep God's command. This is what it means to do the will of the Father. That homily is from St. Cyprian, and it's relating to those two lines, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, it's It's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing to say the most important thing is Christ, and everything else fades away. The most important thing is the will of God, and not my will, but yours be done. I mean, even Jesus It says that he, in the garden, when he prayed that, he was sweating drops as of blood. Uh, And, you know, that's a big thing for Christ to endure that agony, to come up to the place where he can say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. How much more for us? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And as we live through transition, that should be our battle cry. That should be our greatest desire is to trust in the faithfulness and the constancy of God, that he's not going to leave us to face our perils alone. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for joining me, for sticking around. Next week, we're going to be talking with Dr. Edward Shree. Uh, We're going to talk about his new endeavor. It's one you're not going to want to miss. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.